Good evening and welcome to another episode of Under the Helmet. I'm your host, Terrence Biggs. It is now the APDFL offseason, and with that said, we have get into the bottom half of the of the top half of the top fifty. It is this process was long. I'm not gonna lie. It was whew, it was an effort. We had to make sure that it got right. We had to make sure that things were in its proper place and perspective. And the printed version comes out tomorrow. And tonight we're going to work on the the actual list. And I'm going to talk to hopefully Pat Campbell. I'm going to talk to Mel Davis, who is the uh, quarterback of Louisiana Lightning, and of course Matt Kelly uh, checking in from Chicago. The list. It's funny because it was a back and forth with a player this week who was <laughs> he was upset about the list and called the list and the all-star process BS. Now, here's my thing. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And I understand that no two people can see the same film the same, and I get that. But what kills me is the saying the whole process is BS when all certain players have done was jump in my inbox, jump in, you know, sit there and openly campaign on politics for it. But yet, if they're on the it's funny because some of their teammates and friends are on the list, so them calling the list BS is pretty much saying that it invalidates their friend season as well. And to me, that's just wild and disrespectful. Like you can disagree with the list, that's fine. I mean, I'm all for dissent, dissenting opinion. What we're not here to do is sit there and demean the accomplishments of anybody. Playing in this league is difficult. It is. You talk to players who have played in other leagues down south, up north, arena, wherever. You say this is one of the tougher leagues, and it is it is a grind. You're playing down south where it's hotter than all hell, and you're out here throwing your body around and to disrespect someone on the list because you don't feel as though, oh, you feel as though the list is BS because you're not on it is, it's tacky. I'm not going to lie. It's tacky. It's, people should be better than that. And I don't think that a lot of folks are. You see a lot of people who will sit there and say, well, you know, I make the list better. No, it's not about that. And it's, the list itself is a, honoring of accomplishments and honoring of the players' individual feats of talent. Like, the league has a lot of players, they have a lot of teams. To make the 50 best, these are the players that if you're a owner or you're a coach, these are the players that you start a team with. And I just feel as though it kind of goes against common belief that uh, that you should always, re you know, not, you don't have to respect the list itself, you have to respect the people on it. And it's just, it is one of those things that when you, when you focus on the, the negative, nothing good comes of that. The list is a celebration of talent, and this league should be a brotherhood. Football in general should be a brotherhood, and I'm not sure at times it is. And I just feel as though I feel as though there should be more of a 
like a camaraderie effect. Because think about it, football is one of those things where when it's over, it's over. And when it's done, when you take those pads off and you hang up those cleats for the last time, that's it. I mean, your your days on that field are effectively over. Like anyone who tells you that they don't miss it right after they stop playing is lying to you. They miss some of it. They miss a little bit of being on the field, feeling the grass under their feet, feeling the air, you know, whisper through their helmets. It's one of those things that you take with you. And accomplishment needs to be recognized where players at this level, some have aspirations for bigger things, some don't, but we try to appreciate all of them, but we try to we try to recognize those who have stood above and beyond and stood you know, stood above their competition as the league's best. And that's the that's the overarching and major effect to all of this. And for me, I you know, I sit there and I think about the concepts and the construct of the the league itself, and I look back and this 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 season itself was interesting. You had such a wide array of talent spread out on various teams. You had players from teams that surprised. You had players from teams that disappointed. You had players from teams that jumped up and actually excelled when no one thought they would, could, or should. And the league is one of those places that, yes, we get funny on the page and we didn't get ha-ha and whatever, but when you step between those lines, that's when all the talking stops as far as the meaningful talking. You're on this field, it is you, and it is your teammates against somebody else. And that's where I want to kind of focus on. It's it's how it's how I expect to have this going forward. As we wait for Matt Mel and hopefully Pat McCollin, I'm just going to quickly jump into the first name on the list, which is number 25. Number 25 on the top 50 is Mike Gatewood, offensive lineman, Mississippi Dynasty. And watching film of Mike, several things jump, jump to the screen. He is, despite his strength and leverage, his ability to use his hands well, he is smart. He is if you are the kind of tackle, or I'm sorry, if you are the kind of defender where you try to use the same move, or if you try to exploit what you think is a weakness, Mike will adapt and he will adjust and he will counter it. And he will beat you at the point of attack. And he's the kind of person where Mike lives in that phone booth. If it's you and him in that phone booth as far as close quarters contact, he's going to possibly win the majority of those of those contests. And if you look at how he sets up in the dynasty offense as far as his role, he's an excellent pass protector and he is a phenomenal run blocker. And those two skills at times can be mutually exclusive, but if you have a player that can do both, you, I mean, offensive line play in this league is difficult. Like quality offensive line, it's hard to come by. The dynasty are blessed to have such outstanding blockers, and 
it tells in the offense where you have a two-headed, you have a two-headed monster at quarterback. You have a full backfield, and you have talented wideouts. But yet, the offensive line is where it starts up front. And if you look at the championship game, they faced a quicker Mike faced a quicker yet, you know, completely undersized defense in the Georgia Cobras, but he seemed nonplussed and unbothered. He sat there, he got in there, he did what he needed to do. And it's one of those things where um, it's one of those things where you look at Mike and you look at his role. The Dynasty have won three in a row. If they keep this team, they keep the foundation of the team especially along the offensive and defensive lines, if they keep the foundations together, there's really no discounting or no thought about how many more they can win. Like, people will sit there and say, well, you know, it's got to come to an end. Yes, their run will inevitably come to an end. Players get old, parties change, things get diff- things become different. But right now, they are, once again, the odds on a favorite to win the national championship for a fourth consecutive year, which would put them at probably, not even probably, undeniably the greatest team to play in APDFL history, and they would go down in the annals of history, probably one of the better teams down south to ever step between those lines at the semi-pro slash developmental level. And Mike's a part of it. He, if you watch his game strictly from a technical standpoint, He's not out of position. He's not lurching with his blocks. He's not reaching for his blocks. He's not sloppy in his approach. It's technically sound, clear-headed, and he's just going to try to beat you up at the line of scrimmage. He is going to put hands on you, and he's going to push you around. And many defensive linemen can't really handle that type of pressure as far as being able to sit there and constantly push and constantly be able to detach or separate from such a good blocker. The 24th name on the list is Corey Tucker, wide receiver in the Speed Dynasty. Now, Corey had 40 catches this season, but where he makes his list just with the 40 catches too, but it's the also the precision of the routes where he doesn't ground routes off, he is sharp in and out of his breaks, and the routes look like they're drawn on paper. Like, if you look, if anyone ever had the ability to hover, if you get a drone and you look at the field and the drone could trace routes, you can see his routes are pristine, where if he knows he's supposed to make that out at seven yards, at seven yards, he is on his way out towards the sideline. The ball's going to be there. He That helps him become the quarterback's best friend, where sometimes in this league you have players who just get by on pure natural God-given abilities and they get sloppy with it. They tend to be a little loopy with their routes or a little bit unpolished, where you need to be on top of your game. And I just don't think that that skill is taught. If you look at Corey and you look at how he approaches the game, 
it's sharp. It's it's crisp. Those routes are crisp, and his his route tree is wide open. Where you see a lot of guys who they live they live by that go or that nine route, or they might hit that slant once in a while. There is literally no route that he cannot run, and I think that that's good for him to be able to have that. Apparently, we are now joined by my co-host Matthew Kelly. Matt, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Oh man, we just said we're sitting there. The, the number twenty-five on the list was Mike Gatewood. Do you have any words why Mike should be in the top twenty-five? I I couldn't hear you, Terry. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. We're talking about uh, Mike Gatewood at number twenty-five. Is, is there any uh, any thoughts on his selection? Uh, I think that was a very good selection. Um, Mike. Has been a, a stalwart of consistency for uh, not only the dynasty but as a lineman on the league. He's uh, since I first played against him in 2017. Mike is uh, kind of he's one of those guys that show up and and they and they and they, and they, and they uh, continue to beat down and continue to win. Now we also had his his teammate uh, Corey Tucker at 24. I my thinking was going in. He's such a crisp route runner. That's what gets him in that position. Do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah, Corey, Corey, Corey is a great uh, route runner, and he, he's a big target, too, and that makes a big difference in this league, especially as we noted over and over again about uh, people, uh, about uh, DBs playing so far off. Uh, just imagine if they didn't have so many weapons, and uh, of course the focal point, and they were throwing him the ball 15 times a game. Could you imagine what his stats would really be? He actually could be probably. He probably would be the first. I'm not the first. One of the first 1,800 to 2,000 yard receivers. Absolutely, absolutely. I hadn't no. seen. Uh, I hadn't seen. No, right. I haven't seen DB yet that's been able to just, you know, get up in his in his in his face in his grill and just try to throw him off. Because he um, just on film you can see he looks too big and too strong for most DBs. Now number twenty three we have uh, Javier McGriff, the uh, wide receiver from the uh, Georgia Cobras. He is a perfect complementary. Uh, a number two receiver to LeVon Downs. Can you explain what makes him so good? Um, Javier, uh, like you said, is a great is a great um, complimentary piece. But uh, what makes him really good is he's a, a sneaky good route runner, and he's kind of like that. Uh, he's almost like. Uh, Damn it, uh, Amadola and Julian uh, Edelman. He he finds a way to get open, and you know you think you got him bottled up, or you think that uh, Dion doesn't see him over there, and then he he leaks out. And there you go, now he's wide open. I agree with that. He he, I mean he he gives that passing offense of the Cobras another weapon where 
if they add a two, if they add a few more offensive linemen, they could be right back in the championship next year. Yes. No. Twenty-two is a guy that you're very familiar with. You play with him. Dontavious Moore, athlete, he's Alabama uh, Predators. Can you explain? Like a year ago, we had LeBaron Mallory, who was one of the most diverse players in the league. Like Moore is cut from that cloth as far as being versatile. Can you explain what makes Moore a phenomenal teammate, phenomenal player, and why this point of the list works? Well, as I as I stated, I felt like um, Moore, we officially call him Demo, um, was the biggest snub of the All Star team on either side. Um, constantly from game one to now to, to the end of the season, constantly came up with big plays. A very unselfish player will play uh, anything that you need. You can tell him to go play center, and he, he's like, okay, you know what? That's what you need. If that's what it's going to take to win this game. I'm going to play center. Um we had a couple of injuries at the quarterback position and some inconsistencies. And he came from being our primary receiver to going to play quarterback and kind of got us on, added a new dimension to our offense. Um, also, several times as one of the captains of the defense, I would come and, you know, sometimes I've seen where teams would have uh, athletes that uh, we needed somebody to particularly match up with, and he would come and say, he would come over and say, hey, I say, hey, I need you to play corner. If I need you to play corner, he'd come over, no problem. Even with the Cobras, a lot of people don't know this. When we played them in the um, in the um, in the second round, he um, Demo actually played corner, safety, and quarterback the whole game. Um, so that just shows you what type of versatile player he is, and. As you as you put on on your analyst, he scored in every possible way. <laughs> this shit I can think of. I think the only thing he didn't score on was the kick return. Other than that, he scored every way. Exactly. We are also joined by former Louisiana Atlanta, former Louisiana Lightning quarterback, current Crescent City Kings quarterback, Mel Davis. Mel, what's going on? What's up, Terry? What's up, man? Now, y'all, when you were with the Lightning, you guys played uh, the Wreckers, right? Correct. Can you talk about their uh, quarterback? What did you see at uh, Boche that was interesting to you? Wait, say that one more time. What did you see from their uh, quarterback play that was kind of interesting to you? Because you have a guy who just kind of, you know, like when he – Turn up his gaming shit. They just started to win more. As a quarterback, what is the first thing you look for when you evaluate other quarterbacks? Um, can they stay poised? Is like a big one. Uh, for me, um, because mm-hmm. especially uh, with some of the teams in this league, like the dynasty, uh, I think we had a fairly good D line. Uh, a lot of the schemes revolves around how good the D-lineman actually was. Um, and I think the Rutgers quarterback is better than I thought he was. 
uh, from watching film on him, like on film, he didn't really strike me as someone who was like, you know, real, was someone I would I would consider like a threat, sort of. But they knocked him down a few times. He got up. He didn't like get away from his game. He didn't try to start doing more than he should have. He didn't get away from the game plan. He just started putting his linemen and shifting them the way that they supposed to be for him to get the protection he needed. And he just kept battling, man. Like, that dude, a tough one. I uh, got, like, he gained my respect. I will give him that. I told him after the game, he, he, he battled the whole game. And I like when they got up, he didn't take his foot off the gas either. <laughs> he kept going until the final whistle blew. Here, he reminds you of you a little bit. Definitely. Definitely. Now, Matt, number 20, we got uh, Corey Wells, the uh, quarter, uh, the linebacker from the Alabama Blackhawks. As a linebacker, too, you know how much Corey meant to that defense. He and uh, Justin Robinson pretty much were the cornerstones of the Blackhawks defense. Can you speak to his contributions this season as a leader on that team? Oh, okay, I guess we're going to wait for Matt to come back. I'll just pretty oh, much I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that, though, Terry. My bad. I, That's all right. <laughs> but um, heart and soul of the defense, unquestioned leader of that defense and of, of that team. Um, as Corey goes, they go. Um, you know, they also had J-Rob as well. Um, and he, he brought – some other elements there that uh, you know that you can't really measure in the stat column. I've seen where they started out slow, and he um, where he was coming to a game late, but he shows up and the intensity goes up uh, uh, three, four notches, and then it becomes that they just um, impose their will on. Them. So Corey is definitely that that unquestioned leader of that team. And the heart and soul of that defense. That makes sense to me. Now, Mel, the next name on the list is Jaron Walters. If you look at statistically, just go on stats and go on as a – I don't explain this. As someone, all right, if you didn't know the team as well as you did, if you know the Kings as well as you did, just a, as an observer, if you look at Jaron's game, just just, just – far as arm talent and things like that, where do you think that his strengths are? Uh, pocket awareness. Uh, Jaron is, <laughs> yeah, it's going to sound weird coming from me, but he is, like, if you give him that time in a pocket, I honestly believe he probably has undoubtedly the best arm in the league. Like, he makes a lot of throws that a lot of people in the league can't make, um, whether it's throwing it downfield 60, 70 yards, whether it's rolling left, throwing across his body. Um, if you allow him to sit there, man, he <laughs> he will pick you apart. And he knows the game better than people give him credit for, including myself. Just talking to him after the game and just picking his brain a little bit. Um, he definitely he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. He he definitely can make those throws. 
he he's not a real mobile one, but given a chance, he will take those five or six yards. Um, but definitely, he uh, he he has probably undoubtedly the best arm in the league. Like over all the quarterbacks, even though he he got pulled a couple games, and he still ended what he ended at for his passing yards, touchdowns, um, just everything. Like he he pulled himself together and just got it back on track. Um, it ain't in the way, of course, he wanted it to, but, yeah, I got to give him that. His arm is, is you could tell he played quarterback his whole life, the way he throws the ball. He's not, he, he also not afraid to make any throw. Remind me of, like, a gunslinger like Brett Favre or something. Like, he just don't care. If he, if he see it, he going to throw it. He, he trusts his arm. I give him that. Now, with that said, going back to the Kings, chances are that the two of you will compete for a starting job. Knowing what you bring to the Kings as far as the versatility of your skill set, knowing what he brings as far as his drop-back passing, it's going to make for a very, very interesting winter. Winter will be very interesting down in Louisiana. Speaking of, how how are y'all doing down there? How's the flooding and how's everything down there? Um, so some parts did get a little a little flood, but it wasn't anything close to what they were making it out to be. Um, I believe some places got like maybe two feet of water, but wasn't anything like major that I know of so far. Nothing was showed on the news that was like real crazy. But uh it's thank God everything was definitely better than what what it was expected to be. I'll say this man, y'all are super calm down I mean, when it comes to storms and floods, y'all everybody <laughs> to a man and just real chill like, yeah, it's gonna rain some. Really, there's like 50,000 feet of water above your head. But, oh, it's just in the rain. I'm like, okay, I, I'd be sitting here with a boat. Like, I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, there are people having parties and everything, man. Man, listen, that, mm, mm, mm. Now, Matt, number 18, we have Ty, Ty Duncan, the running back from the Blackhawks. Can you explain what someone who had to play in a four-person backfield, how they were able to stand out. Ty is uh, definitely my pick for newcomer of the year, but he um great uh, hard-nosed runner. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's several people who could walk away as my choices as newcomer, but Ty, just seeing him, uh, film doesn't give him um, the justification that he deserves. He is uh he is uh, a diminutive back. He's you know, he's he's smaller than the average back in the league. But when he hits the hole, it is a whole nother thing. You can't when he hits the hole you can't tell me he ain't six foot two thirty. <laughs> uh he runs hard, he he he's he's fast. He's quick to the hole, and um, he he's definitely the change of back for the Blackhawks. He uh, very productive back. He doesn't he doesn't lose he doesn't lose yards. That was one of the biggest things. He 
he's good about not getting hit in the backfield and, and getting up there and not trying to do more than he has to to get yards. And when he and when he gets to the second level, he he becomes very shifty and he becomes uh, quite the task to tackle in open field. No. Mel, as someone who is definitely built from that same cloth where not being the biggest guy in the field, you have people who underestimate you because of your size. When you have to when you're in the open field you are also held to to catch up to. Do you think that plays in the mind of your opponent where you have a fast guy as yourself in the open field you're like you have no you have no help. If you're a defender you have no help. Do you, can you see that in a defender? There's eyes like they have that oh god help me type of look. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I was always taught you pick your battles, right? So especially when you're running at someone, you you know, like you can see it in their eyes how big they get. Um, like they had an instance against the dynasty. Uh. 52, I forget his name, middle linebacker. I called him Ray Lewis. Jeremy Judge. Man, listen, he is one of them people, like, <laughs> you may outrun him, but if you let him catch you clean, he will lay you out. So it was a few times, like, he was talking to me the whole game. He caught me one time, and he hit so hard. Like, the look in his eyes when he see you coming at him, he's real relaxed. And he know what he's capable of doing. But then you get some other players, you running at them, they teach you to break down or they teach you to just run through somebody's damn body. You get those people who will run up and kind of kind of like, if you go to put a move down, like give them a little left to the right, like they'll try to do a move with you instead of just doing what they're trained to actually do, just break down, make the tackle, or just run through them. They they get a little timid when you run at them and they know you got speed or they know you shifty. They don't they don't tackle that same way. So you definitely there's <laughs> a few of them out there. You can definitely see it in their eyes when you run at them. Like they they don't really want to be in that position and they depend on that help a lot. So instead of just making that nice open field tackle, they'll just I say give it the fake effort. To make it seem like they're trying to make a play. Oh, they like Ole, like oh, I tried, and I here's me on the ground. I tried. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that a lot in this league. I I have seen that about dudes who like they said they can play about not being on this list. That's why they're not on this list. They know who they are. <laughs> Out there with the Ole bullshit. Yeah. Nope. Mm, I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen guys like oh, I was trying to get there. You ran 15 yards out of the way to just run into the camera shot. Get out of here with that nonsense, clown. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Matt, the next name on the list is offensive lineman Savon Morris from the Gulf Coast Gators. Mm-hmm. As, yep. as a defender, I'll bring it to Mel after I bring it to you. Matt, as, as a defender, when you face a quality offensive lineman like Savon not being, he's not the tallest guy, but he is extremely strong and wide. How difficult is that to get by him? Um, it can be very difficult, especially if he has good hand and good feet. Um, a lot of people think 
you know, sometimes with offensive linemen, you just got to be big. But um, violent hands and quick feet are, makes it dangerous. Uh, makes it dangerous offensive linemen. If they can move, they can make it tough. Cause especially if they, they're not scared of any move you bring to them. Uh, as Mel just said about Jeremy, if they're relaxed when they're playing, it don't matter what you come at them. They're gonna let you wear yourself out. And then they're gonna catch you right at the right moment and push you out the way, wash you down, and go one way. Sometimes they'll let you dictate where you want to go. You want to go this way, that's fine. I'm gonna get my hands on you and push you on out the play. Um, with with somebody like Savon, that is that is a big thing, especially when uh, even with his size, his his quickness and his agility are very underestimated. And uh, I'm sure uh, Green enjoys running behind that. And we also see. The difference it made with Tyrone having uh, Ain't on the line like that, as his passing uh, ability um, increased so much better when he wasn't <laughs> running for his life half the time. Oh, when he was with the Jets, he had to run a little bit. You know, he uh, yeah, he literally had to be on skates and get up for like you know he was running out of self self preservation. Like he was like, oh god, I'm you know I need help now. The next name on the list is Patrick Campbell. Now, Mel, the as a mobile quarterback, when you have a big, fast defensive end like Patrick who gets upfield and gets home quickly, how does that differ from like your average bigger end who's just like a big guy who's just strong when you deal with somebody with a little bit of quickness? Mel? Oh, hello. Yeah. You gave me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, the so next. I heard oh. you. I heard you. Okay, go so ahead. I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it makes it fun. Like, it, it's hard. It's harder to catch the ends on them. But me, like, for any mobile quarterback, um, I like the talented of, like, those shifted DNs, the quick ones, like uh, Eugene for the Gators. Uh, not your typical size, not the strongest by far, but he's real quick around the edge. Um, that's who he kind of play like to me. Um, a little bit of Eugene when they when they fast like that uh, to catch those edges. Like if you have to scramble out the pocket in case the play breaks down, if you have to um, like try to make a, a move to the outside to get what you want on the inside. It makes that a little bit harder, um, also. So, uh, yeah, he's he <laughs> he is definitely a banger down there. Um, he don't really care about no size. He don't care about any of that. That man, he comes to play, and I will give him that. He comes to play, and he don't have a lot of players that try to try to do things outside of what their job description is, right? And they would, like, mess up a lot of plays for trying to do too much. We know he pretty much could speed rush pretty much damn near every DN. I mean, a uh, right tackle. Like, he could pretty much speed rush it all the time, but he knows his assignment. Um, He may set you up as if you think he's going one way and the white friend is spinning back. He <laughs> He's a beast. 
I I respect his name on the list. Surprised it ain't a little higher, but definitely I'm I'm with this one. There you go. Now, Matt, uh, Matt, to you as someone who has watched Pat in different spots and different teams, what would you say is his greatest strength? Um, his his hands when his hands and his speed actually. When when he when he gets both of them going at the same time, he is a a load to even try to uh to stop. Uh I've seen him where he's just full rest somebody and by the time he's full resting, he's on top of the quarterback and the running back with the lineman in between them as he makes the tackle. He's uh I've seen him come through a few times like he was gonna take the uh handoff straight from the quarterback. When when Pat is is moving, oh, he he is hard because he's a lot faster and a lot quicker uh, for his size than people actually realize, and that is probably the most dangerous thing about him is just just how quick he really is. But also when he combines that with his hands, it is it, he's a, a tough load to just deal with. Um, His 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 biggest thing is I know he gets burned out because a lot of his team have asked him to do a whole lot, but uh, he just work on pay work on his condition a little bit more, and I don't see him ever coming out the top five. <laughs> I agree with that. Now, now the next thing on the list is someone that you know. Very well. You know him extremely well. This is a athlete from the Kings, Sean Jones. Sean's on the list because Sean is one of those guys that can play pretty much a full game at offensive line, but also turn around and play a full game on the defensive line or even some at linebacker. He never leaves the field. I saw him during one particular stretch where he picked up a fumble, housed it, Went back, played defense, came back on offense, and played pretty much the you know the majority of the game. As someone who knows him better than anyone in this conversation, which is which is you, can you give an example of where Sean, where does he get such drive to keep, or when he did play, to keep playing now that he's apparently retired? Uh, Sean thrives on people doubting him. <laughs> Sean thrives on everyone knows him, so they try to outdo him. He don't like to be outworked, so he's one of those people you can't just, like, think you're going to come in and outwork him because he is, like, an extremely hard worker. Sometimes I have to, like, tell him, like, dude, like, it's okay, you can take a break. And he would curse me out just to, just to tell me, like, he's there to protect me. He's there to protect the quarterback, which is why he never – I don't think Sean ever played offense, but he'll do it if you need him. Like, he don't care. He will play any position. I think this year for the Kings, Sean played – he started at DN, moved mm-hmm. to D-tackle went to 
nose guard, went to right tackle, right guard, played center a little bit. He <laughs> he did everything, and he was the kicker. So, like, he, he made sure he, he's in the best condition possible that he can be in. Um, he he works like I I can honestly say seeing it firsthand, and I like that old school mentality he have because when I first started playing, I used to tell everybody a, a main difference I see was no no one holds their teammates accountable no more. Like when I first started with Sherman was the center and all that. If you wasn't making practice and you had excuses, them dudes was willing to throw them gloves on. And get you to understand if they out there blood, sweat, and tears, you should be putting in the same amount of work as your team. Um, he's one of those type. He will. We had a few team meetings, and it was, man, look, if y'all don't want to do this, or if y'all got a problem with what I'm saying, we go wherever you want to go, and we can fight right now. We get it on right now. But you gonna understand where I'm coming from. Like I have nothing but the utmost respect for someone like that. He wants the best out of everyone, not just himself. Uh, very unselfish. Uh, he's very modest of his own scale to me. At least he don't talk about himself at all. Mm-mm. Like you never will hear him talk about himself. You would never hear him say, "Oh, I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person." Nah, he's just gonna show up, let you keep talking, and then he's gonna slap you in your mouth a couple times. Like he don't. During the game, if you start talking to him, he'll talk to you a little bit, but he don't do too much talking. He don't do none of that. Like, Sean works out on a daily. Like, Sean works out. He, like, work out as if he's playing college Division One ball. And he, he, he will outwork the next man. I don't I don't know any, any linemen especially who works as hard as him. There's some skill position players who just show up. He will outwork them too. Like, he don't care. He just wants to win, and he wants the best out of his team from the coaching staff on down. So he's definitely probably one of the best players I've played with and learned a lot from, even though he didn't even play a skill position. Just his knowledge for the game, like, I think he needs to be coaching some damn well if he's not playing no more. Like whether he's coaching in high school, coaching on semi-pro level, coaching park ball, like he has too much knowledge to just sit there and like not do anything with it. No, I agree with that. Now, Matt, the next name on the list is Rico Ruffin, defensive back, Gulf Coast Gators. As someone who is who has played some safety, who has you know plays who plays defense. Can you explain what a ball hawking defensive back will do to help a defense? Somebody like uh, Ruffin, what is his skills? What are his skill sets to you? Um, a ball hawking safety gives the defense a lot of options up front. When uh, it, it it lets him take a lot more chances and. Uh, Game in a total different way. When you have somebody like Rico uh, uh, or any safety that's just going to be a ball hawk, if the ball goes up in the air and you always feel it might be a 50-50 ball, but 
if you've got a halt like that, sometimes you feel like, man, it's 80-20 <laughs> with my safety. And if you're going to try, please be my guest. Um, you come with a lot more blitzes. You come with, you can play, uh, you can play different types of uh, man coverage. You can go anywhere. I mean, everything's on the table from cover zero to cover seven. And um, when when you have when you have that type of safety, that you know, it's kind of telling you, hey guy, y'all just handle that up front. Anything deep is mine. It uh, it gives you a whole lot of confidence. On that on that front, um, seven to do what you want. You you know you don't have to sit back and be in zone the whole time. You don't have to worry about that. You can go zone man or you can go off man. You can sit down and you can bring your other safety down on the blitz because you got that one back there that's gonna go up there and uh, make it a difficult task for a quarterback to throw the ball. So have somebody back like that. And, just a tremendous ball hawk that's gonna go get it. Just gives your defense a whole nother level of confidence that um, some people can't even account for. And um, I think Rico definitely showed that. And you know, look at the benefits of, of that. Uh, there's somebody on that line that ended up with twenty, twenty and a half sacks, I think. And um, that's. You know, some that's contributed to great coverage. Uh, how many of those sacks are coverage sacks? So, uh, when the quarterback got to hold the ball longer than he wants to, if uh, those linemen are getting to him, those linebackers are getting to him, and he creating sacks. So, that's another thing that doesn't show up in the stat column. But DBs that can be ball hawks like that create sacks for the front set. There you go. The next name on the list is former Alabama Tigers linebacker Harry Burt. I, I can jump through this one quickly. Harry is he led the league in tackles. He led the league in tackles for loss. What makes him, what made him so good in the in this season? Because he didn't. He may not have had the greatest supporting cast, but he pretty much had to make every play on defense, and he pretty much did make every play on defense. He was around the ball constantly. Very true. Like, you know, like he is in every. Shot. It looked, it looked like he made every damn tackle for his team. He was on. He was in there first. He was like selling popcorn. He was making cookies. He was like on, on the grill making ribs. He was all over that film. And that's, I mean, the yeah, only player that showed up to the game one time too. <laughs> yep, he was the only player that showed up to a game once. Yep, this is true. Um, the next name on the list, Mel, is uh, Roderick Gladney of the Mississippi Dynasty. As a quarterback, can you? account for a veteran offensive line as far as a dominant offensive lineman such as Gladney, who is the highest rated offensive lineman on this list. Can you talk about what comfort you have in knowing that you have a fierce blocker ahead of you who's not going to let you get crushed? Uh, ain't nothing like having a lineman like that, um, especially for playing against them. <laughs> And actually witnessing it, um, he knows the game. Like he he plays it at a high level. You could tell he has something to do with the damn schemes that they run. Like he makes the calls. He he lets you know what he see. Like you know how easy it is for a quarterback 
when they have a lineman who knows the game and like pretty much calls it. Like soon as you come out the huddle, he get down. You pre-snap reading, he calling what he see at the line. Like when you have one of those linemen who can basically tell you from getting down in this three-point stand and letting you know, look, this the hot man. This man going to do a stunt. This man going to shoot this guy. And then that team do exactly what the hell he just said. You know how, a, like, that's like a Tom Brady type lineman. Like, you can literally, he's one of those linemen when you drop back, you don't have to worry about him giving up a sack. So, you know, if it's, if it's something coming to his side, man, stand there. You ain't got to move. Just stand there. He's one of those like he's he's big, so you ain't just bulldozing him, pushing him back into the quarterback lap and all this other stuff. He held it. He's gonna hold his own. If he give up a sack, I I honestly doubt he give up three sacks this year. <laughs> and that's me being honest. I really don't feel like he gave up three sacks this this year from watching them, and I followed them the whole year especially being that they were the top team. Like, I followed them a lot. I talked to Steven a lot. Um, that dude, he's a baller. Like, after the game, me and him had conversation, and, and like, he, he knows what he's talking about. He he knows his stuff on the O-line. If you had a game, you will hear him calling stuff from the sideline. Like, you will hear him in the middle of the game, you're on the sideline talking to the coach or whatever you're doing, you will hear him calling strong left, they coming right, the blitz here, like you hear his voice the whole damn game. So he's he's definitely he deserve it. But he's one of those you have him on he has it. Like when I talk to people about football and both of you know because you both know the game and you know ins and outs, you can always tell within probably five minutes of a conversation with somebody if they know what the hell they're talking about. Gladney is one of those guys where you know within 15 seconds he knows his stuff. And football IQ is rare. You have a lot of guys in this league, you know, you don't have to mention names, but we all know who they are, who will get by on talent alone, but who who are as dumb as a bag of hair. <laughs> who you literally have to break down the play into like 19,000 parts to for them to understand. Like, this is what you do. This is what I do. This is where you go. This is where I go. And it's like first day of PB football. That, oh, like, you know, that's what it is. But, Matt, to you, what does having a solid offensive line leader like Gladney mean to you? Uh, means a lot. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you have that solid leader like that, it's uh... – it's great because you feel like every time they go on the field and when you got them trench warriors, uh, as my coaches call them, the hog mollies down there in the middle that's able to move everything, uh, you feel like they're going to always score. They're going to score, they're going to score. Or even if they don't score, they're going to have long, sustained drives. Uh, and it may not be a touchdown. They may get a field goal. But long staying drives wears down any any team. Uh, defense will always want three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. But when the offense 
goes 10 plays here, uh, 13 plays there, stuff like that, even if they don't score, it wears it wears the defense down. And having a strong leader like that with Gadney, who is determined to score, determined to impose his will on other opponents, it just gives you uh, it gives your team just another level of confidence that uh, that every time they they run out on the field, they're gonna you know they're gonna leave it all out there and do everything they can to put you in position to win. I agree with that. Now, Mel, this is we're coming up on number eleven, which is a guy that you know very well, former teammate. I like the defensive back Joseph Weatherly. Now, Joe thought that like the um the the top ten was pretty much in his grasp. But you look back at tapes, now you were his teammate. Now you know that he has tremendous physical gifts and he's relatively new to the game, correct? Yes, sir. Now can you explain how quickly he picked up the game as far as being able to step onto the field and have such a great season? Um, that dude is hungry. Like, he's always willing to learn. He's always picking brains of people he, he thinks has a good IQ, um, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, on any side of the ball. Um, when he comes to practice, well, I know when I came to practice, he was typically the first one there. Um, he like he really goes the extra mile. Um, like it's like I feel a lot of players, whether you're young or older, like just the the energy he brings to a team. Um, and it was like more of a with him, it was more of a just letting him know you got his back. Like don't be afraid to mess up. Like. If you're gonna mess up, mess up going 110 miles an hour. Don't be iffy with it, and then end up saying, "Oh, I could have made that play, or I should have made that play." Now, if you're gonna like, they do it in NFL, they do it in college. The big time players, they they mess up. They always try to make a play, but he was like real iffy with it. Uh, once once he he knew he had everyone basically backing him up, everyone like you're gonna get beat. Like, it happens. Where there's one, two times, like, it's going to happen through the course of a season. But just anytime he messes up a coverage, anytime someone catches a ball on him, he always trying to make another play, strip the ball, just make the tackle, then catch the player the next play. And, like, a lot of people still don't know that he's only been playing football for four years. Like, so it's not like he has, you know, a lot of experience with it. He's been playing off of pure talent. Like, honestly, a, a lot of the teams, like the teams with, with like, college-bound players and, 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 you know, people who played on different levels, they they would pick at him like they can tell, like, by his technique. And a lot of plays that he gave up was strictly off of technique. It wasn't off of someone just flat-out outrunning him. He didn't give up like no nothing when he was a man to man and someone just ran past him like he in that type of coverage no one worries about that. But he he's still learning. Like to say he had the season that he had 
and he's only been playing for four years versus some of these people who've been playing forever, he put that work in to get how he is. Once he get that that the tech side of playing DB down, you saw what you got this year. Honestly, next year I don't feel like they're going to test him as much. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like it. Like, he's been working all summer. I can send you all the videos. This dude work out at least four to five times a week, faithfully, like in the weight room, on the field, in the weight room, on the field, daily. So, like, he's he's ready, like, for whatever. He, <laughs> I'll take him 100 times against anybody, whether they beat him, whatever. He He wants it more than a lot of people. Like you, you know how you have your receivers who who cry for the ball. He he cries to get action. Like he wants you to test him. He wants you to run at him. He wants you to think you're gonna outsmart him. If you do outsmart him, he's coming to the sideline figuring out what's going on, and it won't happen again. Like he's that type of player. He's a perfectionist. So he, <laughs> when he get it down pat, I promise you, he's gonna go somewhere. Now, I went back and forth with Joe and Amos Tatum as far as who to slot higher. I'll explain Amos' slot when we get to him. But the next name on the list is LeVon Downs. Matt, mm-hmm. Downs had the – I'm going to I'm get to Joe and Amos in, you know, in a minute, but LeVon Downs is one of those players that – he, he didn't come out of nowhere, but his team did. And he he made play after play after play after play. As the first name within the top ten, when you look at his his resume this year, what earned him this spot? Uh, big pop play. Big, uh, and when I, when I say that... Uh, when they needed a big pass or a, a big uh, a big play at that moment, their their offense may have been stifled for a minute, stuff like that. He would come up with a thirty yard catch or uh, for instance against Tuskegee, uh, game winning catch on a hail mary, stuff like that. And he that's what he was constantly, constantly, constantly uh, good at. He uh. He he found a way to stay productive. He you know, a lot of times, uh, first play of the game was to him, uh, a go route or a fade, and he he would catch it and, and deliver. He uh, he also was good at turning small, uh, short passes into really big games. So those those little things like that are, are what really helped him get up the, the line. He was consistent with it uh, all year. Um, had a few games where he didn't have those big of a games or he was kept contained, but he still found a way in those games to at least make one uh, one altering play that changed the game. That's where, you know, I like the fact that he talks a huge game, but he actually has the stats and he actually has the film to back it up. Now, as we move into the top ten, 
I'm going to explain why I slotted Amos 9th and Joe 11. Just like Mel was saying, just to build on Mel's point, Joe is physically dominant. He is just an elitely gifted elitely gifted cornerback. Amos is gifted. Amos also has technique down like you would not believe. He just shuts off the side of the field. Like try, he's pretty much the person where if you're at the park playing ball and you know you go up for a shot and he like fouls you or you foul him, he jumps up and says, "Well, try, try again to see what happens." He those corners that will roll down to a line of scrimmage and try to manhandle or beat the hell out of a wide receiver. He, like he tries to dare you to get open. He is a physical corner, and in this league, just like. Matt was saying, you have too many of these cornerbacks who like to play cute. I'm going to play 45 yards off the ball. You know, you're not going to beat me deep, but you're going to have 15,000 patterns that you could run in front of me and catch the ball. Amos will run down. He'll also break up a screen and get to the ball. He's aggressive. I like the fact that he's aggressive. Like, aggressive corners in this league win. He wins with aggression. He wins with the ability not to be afraid. We all know cornerbacks. We all see cornerbacks who get a little mouthy via social media who said they're all good but couldn't tackle a garbage bag. <laughs> and Amos is not that guy. Amos will put his hands on you and make you stop doing what you're doing. Like his, with the dynasty players to a man, it's funny because their stats don't really matter because they're film does. They, Amos plays in that system and he is super effective. He just he's there. It just you're not you're not gonna sit there and see too many technical glitches or mistakes. But as we move forward, we're gonna talk about Mel, we're gonna talk about one of his teammates. And you have a different perspective than Matt or I in this one, which is Lewis Ellis. This is my take on Lewis. If Lewis doesn't get hurt and, and plays his game and He's ranked higher than the eighth he is. But you played against Lewis the day he the day he was injured. Can you explain your mindset, what you saw, what happened, and how the game changed when he was taken out? Now listen, listen. <laughs> Big Lou, don't take this the wrong way, my dude. But listen, when he got hurt. I'm not knocking no one else on the dynasty defense alignment because they have a rotation out of this world. But that dude is like the Detroit Lions version of Sue. Like this dude, <laughs> this dude literally will collapse the pocket whether you man on man him, he's going to win that. I don't know what he bench press. It got to be boulders or something. This dude... <laughs> Cars. Man, he is so strong. If you watch the game against us, the Dynasty versus the Lightning, we lost in double overtime. The first half, I think he got hurt right before halftime. We probably had maybe like 30 total yards up until the point where he got hurt. We probably had negative yards, to be honest. Like, he will, like, even a shotgun, they will snap the ball. He's not doing no swim moves. You know how Baltimore used to use Halloinata? Just just take up the middle. Just just clog it up. He will straight bull rush and push whoever is in front of him straight back. 
they will not stand there and go into no pass protection against this dude. You got to run block the whole goddamn game against him. He is strong as an ox, man. He pushed the, the center dead into my lap a few times to where I couldn't step up in the pocket from the outside rush. So then I would get sacked. Then they had a few times where they thought they had him, and he would just stand up in a hole and have two players with one on each arm. And if you went right, he would throw the dude that's on the right side down and make the play. Like he he, he is a hell of a guy. He is a hell of a D-lineman. I would give him that. But when he got hurt, it changed the game as far as the type of pressure that they did start to get. Because the, the, I believe, I don't remember what not, I believe 99 was the next guy. And he's strong too, but he's not he's not Lewis strong. So they was able to contain that a little bit. So I was able to step up and shoot a couple gaps every now and then take five yards here, six yards there, step up and make my throws. Um, and I, I don't celebrate nobody getting hurt. Terry, you know you, you know how I am. I'm, I'm a sincere person. But listen, when he got hurt, it was the best thing that happened for me. I don't mean that in a in a mean way at all. That dude, literally, with him in the game, it changes the the whole game. Like there's no running up the middle. I I put my bank on it. You won't find a game where someone just handled him the whole game. If they went at it 20 snaps in a row, I give him more than 10 snaps once every time. Every time against anybody. That dude is a monster. That dude is a monster. Like, he is, like, <laughs> going against it firsthand? Yeah. He, he man, he's up there for D-Lama. You know who I feel better. You know where I'm going with. But I got, I got to give him that. He he's a monster. Lewis is strong with a C. He's strong. He's like there's no even T to strong. I mean, I've seen Lewis from the snap throw a center like he is taking out the trash. He's gonna throw him away. There's no get off me. And for somebody his size, he he's quicker than he looks as he's quicker than he looks. And he managed to get like eight sacks, which is a lot for somebody over the nose. Like he is He's a problem, and the fact that himself, when I talk to Lewis, he says that he's going to try to get in, like, in better shape. He doesn't need to get in any better shape because, honestly, he, I mean, <laughs> he needs to get in worse shape. I mean, good Lord, he is, he is a whole-ass problem right now. He is just a complete problem for people, and he is the reason why a lot of offensive linemen retire early. But the next name on the list, Matt, is Justin Robinson. Now, Justin was number one last year because he had probably the greatest season in the history of semi-pro. He switched to a 3-4 defense when he went to the Blackhawks. How do you think that he adjusted? Uh, <laughs> how, how well is it? <laughs> you know, there's so many analogies I can use, but I'm going to keep it G-rated. Man, he adjusted well. <laughs> um... Justin is one of them players. Please don't make him mad. Please don't make him mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember one instance 
because I've known J. Rob. That's been my guy for a few years, uh, and I mean we talk all the time. Anyway, but uh, I remember one one instance when we played him this year, and uh, when Demo was was like again, and he said this in the middle of a play. And we caught it on camera and everything. We heard it on the sidelines, and it was hilarious to me. And he was saying again, not that D, not that J. Rob had tackled him yet or anything like that. It was J. Rob was blowing up our offensive lineman on that side. And every time he would say, we would say hut or go, uh, J. Rob was standing in the backfield. And um, I thought it was going to be interesting switching to a three-four. And I was thinking, oh, a lot of teams gonna try to double team him. They gonna try to slow him. this might slow him down a little bit, stuff like that. Nope. Just picked up where he left off from. Um, I think a lot of people just got the the hint from last year is just like wherever forty nine is, just go the opposite direction and try your luck on that side. Uh, but he is one of those players that I don't. I, don't, I think you could have put him in a three, four, four, six, five, two. Four three four four three three five four two five. Uh, it don't matter. <laughs> he gonna he he's gonna play what he's supposed to do. His football IQ is off the charts, and he's gonna produce the entire time. So, uh, I you know you seen him, and it was at the point where we even were like, you know what? Let's just run at him and see if that'll slow him down. We send enough people at him. Uh, we, I mean, we, like, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. There was a team, I'm not going to name because, well, I'm trying not to be as petty because, you know, I, you know I'm trying now. But right. there was a quarterback where Justin got free and laid into this guy where the quarterback was leaving the side, he was leaving the field because it was third down. You remember, like, uh, being a kid and you got a whooping and, like, you cried a little bit, but that hour and a half after you like got the whooping and you're fine, you go, <gasps> right. That, that's what that quarterback did when leaving the field. He actually got the <gasps> out of him when he left the field and he was that upset. When you see a grown man treat you like a child in the field, right? It's it might be time to do other shit. I'm sorry. You, I mean, this might not be for you. It's right. I mean, well, you might want to just try something else. Again, we we not trying to be petty. But there's another instance, and um, the film has been kept locked and key. But I think it should be released now that it's the end of the uh, the end of the season. There was a particular play by Mr. Robinson on somebody who claimed to be one of the best in the league at linebacker, and it was mano y mano, man on man, and you seen that young man's feet in the air. Oh, I saw that. Yes, and um, that man walked off the field as well. And this was a defender. You claim to be the <laughs> the best of the best. And one of the best was like, okay, well, here's your chance to take it. I'm going to get on offense, and we're going to find out who's the best he of the best. He snatched and, his um, entire soul. Yes, he, he, took, he took that man's soul. That man did not play the rest of the game. Not because he was hurt. Not because, uh, you know, there was any injuries or nothing like that. This man fussed at his team because he got hit so hard. 
and he went and sat down. And he he wasn't heard from again for a few weeks when he made that statement that he was the best of the best in the league, and everybody was like, ah. That man free. got that man got hit so hard his signature has CTE. Yeah, yeah. He uh after after that after that point uh you know you're claiming to be the best of the best, and for you not to even stand up and try to try to fight uh. Is 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 a rap? Uh, in the words of a great movie, like, did you even pinch him? Did you even pinch this? <laughs> so, you know, that that's that's how you can see that play right there, and and see why teams particularly try to go away from him or try to find a way to just get around it. I agree. Now, we got six on the list of Steven Jackson now. For me, it's, like I said, with a lot of the Dynasty players, their stats don't really mean as much because their film screams, you know, they're very good at what they do. Where Jackson impresses me is the fact that he can fit into multiple different roles. He can fit as a quarterback. He can fit as even the slot. He can fit in the backfield. Where if you look at that offense, when he, when he takes the field, there's – it's something different. It's just, it's a little bit like if they're the well-oiled machine, he's the engine that makes that offense go. They just, they play at a normally high level anyway, but when he's on that field, it just, I don't know, guys look a little taller, a little stronger, the receivers run a little faster. It's something where he gets the offense to play for him. Mel, you said you have taught him extensively and you have followed the team extensively. What particularly about Jackson's approach, mindset, mentality stands out to you? That dude don't care about stats. That dude don't care where he plays. That dude is a phenomenal leader for that team. He's, he's not one of those, like, if you get him talking, yeah, he's going to run his mouth. He's going to talk. He's funny. But, like, during the course of the game, like, he talked to his teammates. He don't talk to the other team. He'll talk before the game. He'll talk after the game. But during the game, all that jaw jacking and stuff, they hold – they hold. some players on the dynasty team do that, but for the most part, you just see him reeling them in. Like, nah, like, that's not what we're doing. Man, we're here to play champion football. Let's, let's go out here and win this game. Like, you need me to play quarterback. You need me to play running back. You need me to play receiver. Against us, he actually started out at receiver. Then they moved him to running back a little bit. Then they alternated him at quarterback. Like, that dude don't care if he complete one pass, catch one pass, rush for one yard, pass for negative yards. If they win, that's all he cares about. He don't care about nothing else. A lot of these dudes care about, oh, I don't know why he – Rank so high. I don't know why they talking about him. He don't do this. He don't do that. And if you remember, I'm going to put it out there. If you remember, before we played them, I told you he did not wow me from watching him on film. You remember that? I do. And after watching him play, it's not like he make plays. Don't get me wrong. Dude is a playmaker. But his leadership skills to me, far as not giving a damn about stats or where he plays or 
whatever they need him to do for them to win, he's willing to do it. He's willing to grind it out at whatever position you put him at, offensively, defensively, wherever. And he will find a way to come out on top. That game we played them, we had them. We were supposed to win. And he made the plays when it was time to make the plays, like any champion would. Like, I can't, like, after that game, again, I, I even told him after the game, I, he was like, man, I gained his respect. I was like, man, you gained mine. And I don't say that about everybody. Like, I don't go up to everybody after every game and, and give up credit and all this other. Like, he earned it. Like, the stuff, like, people on, on the Lightning team was like, man, he not good. He not this. He not that. I'm like, okay. He didn't make the flashy plays. Okay. He didn't spin all two people. He didn't jump over nobody. He didn't throw for 300 yards. I think they barely had 100 yards total offense. But when it was time to make that third and eight play, you'll see him come out the pocket, break a tackle or two, throw a first down. Simple like that, just to maintain the drive. And they win a lot off of field positions. Like, they'll drive downfield, they might score. If they don't, they'll back you up to where you got to show that defense that you can drive that ball 80-plus yards. And it is hard to score on that team moving the ball the whole length of the field. It is hard. Like, and, and, and I don't give people credit like that. Like, it is hard. So he trusts his guys. He he let them know he trusts them. If they mess up, you don't see him cursing them out. You don't see him doing all that. You see him getting on them to make them better, like literally to let them know, like, no matter what y'all do, I'm riding with y'all. People be surprised how far that go versus, man, you sad. Man, put me out there. Man, he don't need to be in the game. That, he don't tolerate that. That dude plays the game how you're supposed to play football, and I cannot be mad at him. That dude is a damn good athlete, man. Steve is the Steve is that dude where if you equate his game to spades, where if you look at his hand, you're like, oh, he has one spade, like five clubs, couple of hearts, couple of diamonds, but somehow he always seems to pull seven or eight books. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's yeah, it's not it's not so much what the numbers are, it's the it's the result where he's not gonna make the the awful mistake. But he comes up he's clutch. He's the most clutch guy in his league where he just comes up where you expect for him to convert that third and eight. You expect him to make that throw, to make that run, to make four people miss, to just that that, that one play to keep a drive going. If they if the if if the dynasty get up on someone they're not going to lose. They're going to put that foot on that throat and in the game. The only way to beat them is pretty much to get a lead and hold on for dear life. Like, hold on with both hands. Now, Matt, the next name on the list is Gerard Lewis, Georgia Cobra's running back. Can you explain what J-Rock brings to the table? Uh, a good physical runner, elusive, um, sneaky speed, speedster. He's a real sneaky speedster, um, and a, and hard to tackle. 
you will see him, and you will see him on film, and I, and just playing him um, last couple uh, a few times. It's been you look at him like ah, he's not that fast. We can get him, but he knows how to put that one foot in the ground and get upfield. Uh, he gets you. He he tries to use a lot of stuff against you. He um he'll get you flowing one way, and he knows how to. It's almost like LaShawn McCoy with the cutback. He sees that defense flowing, and he sees where that lane is going to be. And when when he sees it develop, he splits that foot in the ground and cuts in that lane, and he goes. Um, that he's also uh, he's a great teammate. I didn't see him really fuss with his. I've never seen him really fuss with anybody on his team. Uh, kind of the same attributes that the Steven has when it comes to leadership with uh, just, hey, we just here to play, stuff like that. He doesn't make a lot of excuses when things go wrong. Uh, he's just a tremendous player each year. He's gotten better and better. And uh, I think he led the league in rushing and in rushing touchdowns this year. So, I mean, that's that shows you, especially with the passing attack that they had, it just shows you that he brings a whole different uh, dynamic to the game and um, one of the reasons why they were at the position they were in. Uh, I agree with that. Now, Mel, when you look at someone like a Tyrone Jones, who's the next on the list at number four, you see a quarterback who is elusive but also with the ability to throw the ball. When you see a dual threat like yourself. What do people not understand about being a dual threat quarterback? Uh, one of the things is, honestly, it's harder to be a dual threat quarterback versus a pocket passer. Because one, dual threat, people will prepare for you more than they would ever prepare for a, a, a pocket passer. That's just what it is. Like, you will face way more different schemes you will face way more different, like, personnel. Um, yes, and, and he's, he he do it at a very high level, too. I, I, I like that matchup when we played against him. He, he brings it. That dude is a winner. Like, he wants to win. He don't care what it takes. It was, a, it was one point in time where it was, like, third and eleven. He broke like two sacks, got loose up the sideline, and tried to run somebody over to get to the end zone. Like, <laughs> he quarterbacks don't do Like, nobody runs over nobody when you play quarterback. That's just not what we're supposed to do. But he's one of those players. Like, he puts the work in. You know I don't even play with them. I've only faced them once. I've watched them play three times. So just from seeing the way he competes at a very high level, the way he talks to his teammates, the way he can take criticism, the way he can take people expecting a lot out of him because he was the focal point of that offense. Like, no Tyrone, that offense will not move the ball. Like, he is really good. Like, he's that good. So he definitely got to give him uh, definitely one of the best dual threat QBs I see. 
Definitely. I agree with that. Now, Mac, to you, the next name, of course, is his teammate, edge rusher, edge rusher Eugene Robinson. What makes Gino a unique pass rusher? Being undersized. Uh, Eugene is tall, but I think we all can agree uh, Eugene is probably a solid 185. <laughs> Uh, and that that right there is what makes him unique. Yes, he's tall. Yes, he's uh he he has the height. But if you if you honestly saw Eugene walking down the street and he told you you play football, you immediately think he plays wide receiver. Um, so being undersized like that, that goes a entire a entire different way as you get 20 stats at being undersized like that. That's just quickness. That's uh, that's heart. That's will. He he has to play with a chip on his shoulder every week because you look at him and you're like, man, I ain't no way no man play 180 pounds, 185 pounds on the end. I'm gonna let him get these sacks on me as a as a lineman at at 260 plus, you know. And then you look up and he blow by you for one. Then he blow by you again. Then he blow by you again. And now you getting tired and he's just getting stronger and stronger and he's getting faster. He ain't getting no slower during the game. And it's just going to be like, all right, man, look, you ain't going to keep doing this. But he is until you can do something about it. So I think that, that that's the biggest thing about Eugene with him just being so undersized but being fast. You can't just outrun him. You can't just um, you can't just manhandle him. He pre- he presents a different type of challenge because he he also has the length to keep linemen from getting their hands on. Him. So um, I love the un- undersized underdog challenge, just being quick and it's translated each each year. He's from starting out with the Emerald Coast Scorpions to where he is now, he's just worked his way of trying to be a better player each year. That's what I was that's uh, what I, that's I what I on that. Go ahead, man. Jump in. <laughs> Playing against him. One of the funnest challenges of the year. I love his arrogance. Like the way he gets into players' heads like, it is so funny because he will talk trash. When he, when he know they play you, he will talk to you after they play that game Saturday. Sunday morning, he got something to say. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he got something to say. Game day, you see him, you like, when I first saw him, he hit me up and was like, man, look, I got I got four sacks, at least four sacks. And I'm like, man, ain't no way you about to sack me four times in no one game. That's out. I don't care who you Sure enough. <laughs> sure enough, he ended the game with four sacks. Like he didn't get the last one till the damn near the end of the game. But when he got it, and and the way they coach use him, like he don't just he don't play every down. Like they use him on first and second down. He'll come out on third. May if we go for it on fourth, he's in on fourth. But first and second down. He is coming around that end. 
His job is to literally speed rush. He can't overpower anybody at all, but Absolutely. he will do his job. He will speed rush. He will contain whatever you need him to do. He will do it, and he will battle the whole game, like the whole game. His motor, his motor, it was a few times I made him miss. I make a move, get upfield, make a linebacker miss, he tackling me from behind. I done made you miss 15 yards ago. He don't stop. He don't stop. So, yes, that's a that's a good spot for him up there. And he had 20-some sacks, which I don't know why nobody was slapping him upside his helmet. But I, I just take the penalty, fellas. Take the penalty. <laughs> no, we got Deion Graham at number two. <laughs> no kidding. Deion Graham number two. Deion Graham, I will be the first person because I'm going to say this. When the Cobras started their run early in the season, I thought, because I heard they didn't travel well and that somehow during the season they were full because they didn't travel well. When they beat the Airmen, I started taking notes. I'm like, oh, okay. But then they started piling up these wins. I'm like, okay, they. And then, oh, this Graham guy is pretty decent. He's, you know, seeing film, okay? And they just kept winning, and they got to face the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks were punching them in the mouth. They were beating them to sleep. But yet, Graham never folded, and he kept in the game, and he made a throw where he had to elude the rush where He's not really a, a runner type, but he showed enough mobility to go from left to right and throw like a 50-yard pass and for like a huge gain to let, to let to a touchdown. I like the fact that he's an accurate quarterback. I like the fact that he put that team on his shoulders as far as he gives them off. He gives them balance with the passing game, J-Rock as a running game. I like that fact where I think that they will need to shore it up is get that man's protection because some of the offense will, will get him killed. I mean, it, it will be ugly if he doesn't get any more help. But the fact that he was able to play at such a high level this year says a lot for the future. Now, number one, I got to explain number one because people are going to be mad. And the both of you know me. I am the person where... If I have work to do and somebody gets petty, I will I will reach out and make time to be pettier with them because that's how I'm built. Number one is important because this is a player that one does not talk, never says a word except for hey how you doing, but yet his film, his stats all check out. The number one player for 2019, Louisiana Lightning. Defensive lineman Carlos Cola. I chose Carlos because I had to sit back and watch Lightning game over and over and over and over. Anyone who knows me knows I will watch the same game ten times because I see little things that okay, I'm gonna write about this and talk about this and talk about this. No defender had a better season. That is not that is not an opinion. This is a fact. How many defensive tackles do you see? with 13 sacks uh, that can also stop the run. He'll funnel down the line to make a play on a toss or a sweep. The ball finds him. He knocked out three passes. He scooped and scored one. 
He sees double teams. He had a guy chop block him, broad ass daylight, chop block him, laid him on his knee, got up, still played, still played hard. It's that respect where he doesn't make any noise. He just he just plays the game, and there is no better pass rushing defensive tackle. I'm sorry, that's just it's, it's it's true. And what makes him also good is the fact that he is incredibly nimble for his size. Like you see him, you say, "Oh, that's a big guy. He's just gonna sit there and clock." No, he has a decent first step where he can either win with speed or win with hands and enough strength to th- to be able to push the pocket. Mel, you are his former slash, I'm guessing from what I saw, his new current teammate in a new place. I mean, is he going to be a king oh, or is it still, um, is well, it still up a in fact. the That's a fact. It ain't, it ain't a game. It ain't a stunt. He will be in the king's uniform next season. Now, you played with him this year with the Lightning. Can you explain when you see Carlos, when you see Carlos on, on the field, his impact, how does he make the entire defense better? Well, so you know what I was saying about Big Lou Will earlier? He is that, but more agile. Like, he can get up and down the line. I watch him run down some talk plays, some options, some quarterbacks thinking they about to just, oh, this Carlos, I'm about to catch the corner on him. Mm-mm. He can run, especially at 295 or however big he is. Like, he can run, and he, he's not afraid to run behind a play. If you pull up any game, you will see him. Somebody make him miss, he gets up, he runs behind a play. Somebody try to crack back and he runs through it. Somebody tried to, like the the Kings game, he got cut. He came out the game. I was like, Los, I, I, I told you, like, look for it. He was like, I'm going back in, and I'm going to get two sacks on the next two plays. Sure enough. The next two plays, he got two straight sacks. And, one, and then the third play, he dropped a pick six. He jumped and batted and then dropped it going into the end zone. Like, he can do everything and more that a defensive tackle is supposed to do. He can literally play D-tackle, DN. Me personally, I can even see him playing middle linebacker. Like, he can move. Like, he can move. Like, he, like, people fear him. I don't care when nobody say all these offensive linemen across the league who he played against, they know. I haven't seen him lose a matchup all season. He literally brings it every game. He don't take plays off. He don't. He don't do all that jaw jacking. If you start talking to him, he might smile at you, might laugh a little bit, might say something hand up. But when that when that ball is snapped, you gonna feel it. Like he used to show up to the game, and like dudes start talking, he'll just tell him, "You gonna feel me in the game. Don't worry about it. You gonna feel me." You're going to know I'm here. Like, that's it. And when that ball is snapped, you would just see linemen rotating in front of him. You'll see a double team every now and then. You'll see him hit a swim move on one. You got the running back trying to run up <laughs> and slow him down. Like, me and you talked a few times, especially after the Kings game. Man, when the ball was snapped, he was in the backfield. 
Like, mm-hmm. Jarvis couldn't take a three-step drop. Like, <laughs> they start lining them up seven and eight yards in shotgun. Like, he, he's that type of game changer. He will mess up your time. He will blow up those inside runs a lot of teams think they could have gotten. He will blow it up before he gets to the line of scrimmage. Like, he is that good. Like, he is really good. I, me personally, I think with the right people backing him, he's still young. He's only 20, 24, Jimmy, 24? Yeah. He, 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 he still he, can go some damn well. Like, he definitely can play on any level you put him on. He will dominate at that position. Like, he will dominate. No matter if you put him at the end, he reminds me of a Simeon Rice. You put him at, at D tackle. You put him at D tackle. He coming through there, like like Warren Sapp used to come through there. Like he he is coming, and you gonna you gonna know he coming. Like you gonna know. You gonna see that big old ninety nine just flying down the field. Like he can run. I we per- I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him to run a forty this summer, Terry. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him on that forty yard dash and see what what he running. I gotta see. The big boy can move. No, big boss, man. Big boss. Oh, and, oh, Terry, I forgot. Sorry, he right. told me to tell you. He told me to tell you. He gonna lose like ten more pounds, just so he could be a little bit more faster down the line. He told me to tell you that too. Yeah, that works. No, I was I expect seeing the Kings reform next year, Matt. From what you've seen, and you you watch the league as much as Mela and I do. It has was there any defender in this league that had a the season. That that did what Carlos did? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> and you know, that came from um I saw I saw uh I saw him at the beginning of the year against the Alabama Tigers. I um uh, I seen film on him a couple other times. I seen Two years worth of uh, film on Carlos, and I'm telling you, it's just you look up and like Mel said, he be that he, he be down the field making the tackle. He in the backfield making the tackle. He blocking passes. He's on top of the quarterback. He's disruptive. He's uh, Mel said uh, Simeon Rice. I give you I give you another one. Jadavion Clowney before he got lazy. Mm. That's 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 how disruptive he is. And is I mean he he is a terror. I don't see anything if you're going in and you truly practicing, you truly game planning for each game you play every Saturday night, I don't see any team that plays the lightning not saying, you know what, how do we neutralize ninety nine? Let's start there. And um that's uh that's one of the the great things, uh as, as you know, when we were going through this and we were talking to people about this list and going on, it it number one was just clear. It was it was there. It mm-hmm. was just as clear as it was with Justin last year. Um uh, it was just too much too much film, too too many facts. It's just backed up his position there, and um, he just does a lot. A lot of times you get D linemen the ball going away from him. Well, 
I'm gonna take this play out. Uh, with Carlos, you seen the ball go away from him, and somehow he's still on the tackle. So he he was definitely my clear number one. He was mine because like there's just so much from out there to see that. I mean, it's it's crystal clear. This this dude shows up everywhere, and he. If you put him on that Kings defense, especially with their, especially with their edge rushers, mm-hmm. ooh, it's and they have a sound defensive mind in Coach Washington. Oh Lord, it's 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 gonna be some problems now. I mean, things. I think that this will put the Kings in position to make a run at the Lightning. I make a run at the dynasty. I, I really do. Like I see that if you have Carlos there, you have Mel there, you have, have from what I hear, unconfirmed because I can't say I can't say other names, but from things I hear, because folks talk, a bunch of new talent finding their way to the Kings. The the dynasty now have, have their other conference rival. And it's about to get fun. It's about to get really fun. People will sit there and critique the list. Like I said, I, I'm cool with they want to critique the list, but I'm, I'm waiting for the first person to say that the list is BS, and I guarantee to both of you, I will take about 20 minutes of my time to humiliate this person. <laughs> because, I mean, we watch... The three of us, we watch enough of these games. We know the sport. Anyone who people can disagree, that's cool. That's what the people say. The list is BS. They don't know. They're asking the elbow. Right. But, but before we get out of here, I want to thank Mel. Now, Mel, we, in about two weeks, I need to have you back on because I want to jump into your story of when after the. A national championship game until how you got back. You're going to come on and, and explain. I have about 15 questions to ask you about that whole process. Okay. About two or three weeks from now. Like, also, give me those, if you have the pictures of the x rays, I can, you know, explain what I, you know, mm-hmm. just, or whatever. Just, we need to talk about that comeback story. That's one that folks need to hear about. But as of the list, I want to thank you for joining us tonight to kind of give your analysis. You know, I'm you know I'm always gonna be in touch because well I talk for a living. But thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. No problem. Matt, thanks for having me as, again, man. Hey man, man, the door is always open. Matt, as always, we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Another episode of the Black of oh, the Black Tuesday podcast. Uh, the Under the Helmet podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Good night.